Well, welcome back this week. As you can tell, I am not in a garage or with an automobile. I'm someplace different. In fact, I'm at the Faith Church Pendleton campus where we're going to begin to meet on June the 13th at 5.30 and June the 14th at 10.30 a.m. I'm excited to see everybody again. It's going to be an awesome time of just rejuvenation and getting to see one another and enjoy each other's company again. So I'm super stoked, super excited about that. And I also want to say that today we're going to talk about the transition of energy, the transition of momentum. You see, in all of our lives, we come to a point in our life where we have the energy, whether we think we do or not, and it's time to transition and move that energy someplace else, just like we're doing with moving from being online and maybe in the school and not sure when we can get back in school. We're taking our energy and we're taking the essence of who we are and we're transitioning it. And I believe that there's going to be an uptick in energy. There's going to be an uptick in expectation. There's going to be an uptick in things that we never thought were possible. So with that, we're going to continue to go through Galatians. As Paul tells the church in Galatia that he was transitioning the gospel and the energy behind the gospel was being transitioned to someplace new. Would you read it with me in Galatians chapter 2, verse 6? Through 10, it says, As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they they to the circumcised. And they asked, uh, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Here's Paul, and he comes to the second chapter of Galatians. Now, we know the original text is not broken down into chapter and verses. It's actually just one letter, but it's broken down for us so that we can quickly reference things. And here in chapter 2, Paul says, listen, I went to John and Peter, also called Cephas. I went to John and Peter and James. And We talked last week about how he went, and he went in humility, and he said, guys, am I teaching the right gospel? Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I acting in the right way? Do I have the right attitude? Is my heart in the right place? And we talked about the importance of humility to keep us on the road long term, to keep us on the road for the long haul. And so he writes to the church at Galatia here, and he starts to make a turn. He, ma- he makes a pivot. He says, guys, listen to me. It doesn't matter to me who these guys are. I know what God's given me. I know what God has called me to do. I know where God's leading me and where God's taking me. And he says that wherever they were makes no difference. This is a direct reference to having walked with Jesus. I mean, can you think about 
the audacity, the, the ability to know who you are and what you are and that it doesn't matter. Paul says, listen, I, I don't care who they were. I don't care where they've been. God doesn't show favorites. I, I know that they're reaching the Jews in Jerusalem and I know that they're reaching the chosen people of God with the gospel. But he says, it doesn't matter. God doesn't play favorites. God isn't interested in giving, treating one person differently than he, than he treats another person. He's not interested in showing favor. He says, I don't care that they've walked with Jesus. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has entrusted me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's entrusted me to take it to the Gentiles. And so I'm, I went to John and James and Peter to say, okay, am I teaching the right thing? He said, the favoritism doesn't matter. It makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. He said, and they added nothing to my message. On the contrary, he says, actually, just the opposite. They didn't add anything. They didn't say, well, you need to change this or adapt that or, or do these things. And I think sometimes when we start off in something new, we have to somehow change who we are. That somehow we have to change the message of who we are. And the gospel doesn't change. The message doesn't change. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he doesn't play favorites. And if he, and if he did it for one person, he'll do it for somebody else. The ways and the methods might change. You see, Jesus told his disciples, he said, go into all the world, all right, that's direction, that's where, and preach the gospel. That's what? So that the kingdom of God could be proclaimed and so that people could come to know Jesus. That's the why. But you know what he didn't tell us? He didn't tell us how. He didn't share with us how to share the gospel. He simply said, where, what, and why? Because the gospel must be shared within context. And so sharing the gospel in a business setting will look very different than sharing the gospel in the back alleys of New York City. Sharing the gospel to suburbia might look different than sharing the gospel in a rural community. Sharing the gospel with your family member might look different than sharing the gospel with your friend. But the gospel itself doesn't change. And so Paul says, I was excited. I was excited that to the contrary, the gospel didn't change. The location changed. The methodology, methodology changed. But the gospel didn't change. He says, I was excited about that. And it's that adaptability that causes the gospel to continue to permeate the world. It continues to permeate all of creation. It continues to permeate different people groups and different cultures and different societies. It's the adaptability and the flexibility of the gospel that says, this is how we're going to do it here. This is how we're going to do it over here. So when we join back together, the how of sharing the gospel is going to look different in light of social distancing and in light of COVID. So when you come into this sanctuary, it's going to look different than it normally does. The how changes, but the what, the where, and the why doesn't. And that's what we have to remember. That's the important thing, is that we're willing to change the how we share the gospel. 
but the gospel itself doesn't change. And so he says, on the contrary, they recognize I had been entrusted with the gospel. I love the word entrusted in the Greek. It's a verb, but it's a verb used in the perfect tense, meaning it's perfect. You can't take away from it, and you can't add to it that by itself, the trust is complete. Paul is saying and telling us that they had complete and utter trust in me and what I was sharing. Even though it wasn't their people group, even though it wasn't maybe the people that God had called them to, they trusted me that the gospel stays the same. That my gospel isn't changed from what they were preaching or what they were sharing. And I just wonder that if maybe sometimes we hear the gospel differently, we think, oh, the gospel has changed, but the gospel hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so whether one church sings hymns or another church does something contemporary or maybe one church doesn't do music at all, they till up the soil of their hearts differently, it doesn't matter. The important thing in the church service is that our hearts are tilled up so that when the gospel comes, the Bible says that the gospel is like a seed that's sown. And the important thing is that the soil of the heart is tilled. So when the soil is tilled, the word is dropped in like a seed and it begins to take root and it begins to grow in the person. It begins to change us from the inside out. Doing something that, that laws and processes will never be able to do. You see, we can create a law to affect behavior, but then something will happen. Maybe it's a word you're familiar with. It's called loophole. Someone will find a loophole in the law, and they will start doing something within that loophole, and then what do you have to do? Because their heart hasn't changed, because law can't change behavior. We know that. That's called the Old Testament. It shows us that. We have to create another law. And then we find another loophole in the wording and in the details, and so we create another law. And we just begin to compound law upon law upon law upon law until suddenly everybody in some form or fashion is a criminal. But the gospel comes in and says, I'm changing the heart of a person so that the laws are much easier to obey, the laws are much easier to, to trust, and so that the gospel stays the same, changing the person from the inside out, whether that's in a downtown urban community or that's out in the rural, in the sticks, so to speak, doesn't matter. That the gospel is fluid, that it can change. And so Paul says, they completely trusted me that the gospel was perfect, the way in which I was presenting it was perfect, and so it doesn't matter where I go or what happens, the gospel is complete. And so he says, they entrusted me with the gospel. And I love the next thing that he says, for God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, that's the Jewish people, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so what Paul is saying is this, he's telling the church at Galatia, who are not Jews, he says, guys and gals, listen to me. He says, Peter was called to those who are Jewish and of the Jewish faith. And he says that God called me to those who were not Jewish. And he says, 
for God who was at work. The word work is a great word in the Greek. Perhaps it'll sound like an English word, energeos, energeos. It literally means the transfer of energy. Energeos means transfer of energy. Transfer of energy. It comes from a Greek root word, and I know you've heard of this word, energy. Energy. So let's look at the word energy, and then look at the word energeos, and we'll see how closely related they are. He says, energeos, root word energy. The word energy means a battery. We would consider today a battery or something that has complete and full energy. It's so full of energy, you cannot add any more energy to it or it might explode. Now you can take energy away, but you can't add to it. It's as full as it's ever going to get. Think of when you pull your car up to get gas, Right? And you pump your gas, and you pump your gas. And I don't know about you, but me, I pump my gas, and I'm like, okay. Um, and I click it, right, until what? Until it's an even, like, $20, or $30, or $40, or it's $30.50, right? It can't be, like, $30.46. It can't be $41.02. And you pump it ever so slowly until it's right at 40 if you go 4001, you're hosed. It's done. The world has come to an end because I have put $40.01 into my tank, and now I cannot drive off because I have to pump it until 4050. I have to fill that thing up just right. Now, I have been known to fill the tank so much so <laughs> that gas comes spewing out that it's so full, I can't put any more gas in, it doesn't matter how hard I try, it doesn't matter how much I try to click it, <laughs> the gas just doesn't come out. The gas just, it, the ga I'm sorry, the gas just comes out, it's so full. I can't put any more in. This is energy. That tank is full of energy. Now, Energeos describes the process of transferring that energy from the gas tank to the pistons. It's, it's moving away from where it was. The energy is moving away from where it was, and now it's hitting that piston, and that piston is now pushing that car down the road and giving it power. And so Paul uses this word, Greek word, energeos, and it says the power is shifting. The power is moving us from one place to another. And he says it hasn't diminished. The idea of energeos means that the power has moved, that it's not decreasing as the gas tank would, but the power is shifting from one place to another and it's driving you forward. And so he says, Peter is entrusting me with the work, with the inner chaos, the work to say, we can't stay here, we've got to move. And I believe that when we come back together, there's going to be energy. And even though we're in a different place, there's going to be energy and the power of God in this place that is so powerful and so moving that we will look back and say, what did we miss? I believe that many of you will look at this place and go, it feels so good to be back together, that the energy and the excitement and the zeal is going to be here as we come together together. And we lift up the Lord together and we 
learn of his word together. We share with one another. And I'm excited about that. The energy is shifting. God is moving. Think about how God shifts energy. Think about how you shift energy. Think about how a golfer shifts energy from straight, pulls it back, and swings. Same with a batter. Here's what I can tell you about energy. Energy can't stay still. It has to move. It cannot lie dormant. When energy begins to lie dormant, after a while, the power will do one of two things. It will dissipate, or like a battery, it will begin to, it will begin to, the acid will begin to eat away at that thing. When there's energy, you don't sit still. You can't sit still. This is how I know people that have energy for God. They're not sitting still for God. They're not doing a quiet 10-minute devotion and then whatever. They have energy and passion and power for God to see God move. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's here or if it's over there or if it's halfway around the world. They have energy to see the power of God move them and transition them down the road to where God would have them. That's energy in motion. That's energy moving. Do you have that kind of energy? Do you have the energy that says, I can't sit still? Maybe you just need to get up right now, get up, stand up, and say, thank you, God, for filling me with energy to praise your name, to give you glory and honor for the things that you have done in my life, for the miracles you have worked in my life. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're about to do. I want to be a ball and a gas tank, of, gas tank of spiritual energy so that I can move forward in the things that you have called me to do so that when I'm driving down the road of life, I'm going so fast in the energy of you that when, that when Satan tries to catch up with me, he's just eating my dust. Or more likely, he's eating the dust of heaven because I am burning up the roads in heaven. That I am spiritually moving forward regardless of what's around me, regardless of what I face. The energy is shifting. There is a shift. There is a pivot. If you're going to pursue your purpose, you have to pivot. There is a pivot for purpose. Let me say that again. There is a pivot for purpose. You cannot stay where you're at and expect to pivot into your purpose. Purpose, to accomplish purpose, takes energy. You know, I was just a few weekends ago, a couple weekends ago, my family and I packed up and went to Gatlinburg. Our purpose was to get away. Now, if you follow me on social media, you might have thought that my purpose was to go down there and eat. And I can tell you what, I know vacation is supposed to be for resting and rejuvenation. Those few days were more about just being miserable from eating my way down one side of the street and eating my way up the other side of the street. It was nuts. It was crazy. But it was so, so good. But when we took off, we had purpose. And we shifted that energy to a new location. We shifted that energy, and we burned up the interstate. We burned up the highway. I hope police officers aren't watching. We burned down the highway, and we took that energy, and we pivoted the energy for purpose, for vacation. And when it was time to go home, we took the energy we had for vacation and we pivoted and we came back home. In life, there are pivot moments. You cannot pursue your destiny without pivot moments. They are crucial. And so Paul is here and he's talking to James, to Peter and John. And he says, guys, I'm pivoting the gospel to pursue its purpose. That 
as Jesus said, I might go into all the world and preach the gospel. You guys are here in Israel. You guys are here in Jerusalem. I'm pivoting the purpose. Maybe there's something in your life today that you need to pivot the purpose. You need to pivot for the purpose. You need to change directions. You need to go someplace else. You need to try something new. Then it's time to be free and take the energy you have and the excitement that you have to pivot for your purpose. This is what Paul's talking about when he says, and the work, that I did work, that I did energeos, that I moved the energy elsewhere. Jesus never stood still. Jesus constantly moved. Jesus was constantly on the move, teaching and praying with people and healing people. Why? Because he pivoted from heaven into earth with his purpose to save you and I on the cross to be raised from the dead three days later. And what does he say? He says, the only thing that they asked me to do was to continue to care for the poor. He says, which I was eager to do. I was eager. I was excited. I was looking forward to it. So my question for you today is this. Are you eager? Are you excited to transition your energy, to pivot for your purpose, to say, yes, it's the same gospel. It doesn't change whether it's yesterday, today, it doesn't change forever. The gospel is the same. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses. We cannot connect to God without Jesus Christ. We need Jesus to come in and to rejuvenate our souls, to grow us from the inside out. That Jesus is perfectly God and perfectly man. That in him there is no sin. And he that knew no sin became sin on the cross so that you and I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you are watching me right now and you've never pivoted to pursue your purpose. You've never made that spiritual decision to follow Christ with everything that you are, to put your doubt aside so that you can believe and then begin to see. You've never made that decision. I want to invite you this morning to make that decision, to time to pivot your energy from energy of doubt to energy of faith. Because the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Is that you? Do you want that to be you? Then would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for pivot moments in the lives of our families. I thank you for pivot moments in our own personal lives. I thank you for pivot moments in the life of our churches, in the life of our careers, in the life of our relationships. The Lord, there are pivot moments. And we're to take that energy that we have in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be so full of energy that we move it into energeos, that we move it into motion to push us down the road of life for you so that the enemy can eat our heavenly dust. Lord, if there's anybody watching this today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move upon them, stir them to a pivot point with you, that they want to accept you, believe in you, give their life fully over to you, that God, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what you say to them in their life, that they fully 
and compliantly just trust you, that they would hear your voice and know you and give their lives fully over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're with me this morning and you're watching this and you made that decision to follow Christ, would you hit me up on Facebook or would you send me an email at Tyson at theriverlapel.com. I'm excited to see everybody here either next Saturday evening or next Sunday morning. It's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to it. We'll see you next week.